Michelle Hull and other senior officials. Soon he was conferring with the president at his bedside. Wells, stiff and correct as always, sat in a chair by the bed. FDR leaned up against his pillows wearing a blue cape over his pajamas. Over the next two days, as British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain dithered, then rallied, and eventually declared war on Germany on September 3rd, followed quickly by France. Wells was never far from Roosevelt's councils. From his State Department office, a beautifully decorated, book-lined space with dark blue leather chairs, a gleaming mahogany table, and a marble bust of a statesman on a corner pedestal. Wells helped to coordinate Washington's response to European events, starting with an emergency meeting of Latin American foreign ministers. If Sumner Wells was at the heart of things, Bill Donovan was literally in the wilderness, camped beside Teepee Lake in Canada's Yukon Territory, 250 miles from the nearest town. Wild Bill was an Irish-American war hero, New York lawyer, and muscular Republican in the mold of Franklin Roosevelt's distant cousin, Theodore. T.R. certainly would have approved of Donovan's month-long hunting expedition in the Yukon with three other wealthy Republicans, including retired General Robert E. Wood, the chairman of Sears Roebuck and Company. The men had a special permit from the Canadian authorities to collect taxidermy specimens for a natural history museum in Boston, and they were enthusiastic about their work. Riding on horseback through the spectacular St. Elias Mountains and Kluani Lake country, accompanied by native guides and a pack train, they hunted mountain sheep, moose, caribou, and bear, and caught grayling and arctic trout. Without a radio, they were oblivious to the worsening situation in Europe. Donovan nearly perished when he was thrown from his horse and almost tumbled over a cliff. He recovered to bring down a ram with an extraordinary long-range shot and bag a nine-foot-tall grizzly, the great-grandfather of them all, according to one of his companions. Meals were prepared by the Jacot brothers, well-known local outfitters and guides who had trained in France as chefs. A typical camp dinner consisted of soup, roast lamb or duck with all the trimmings, a hot fluffy biscuit, lemon cream pie, tea, scotch, and cigars. Around midnight on September 2nd, after just such a dinner, the gentlemen were enjoying a few rubbers of bridge when there was movement at the tent flaps. A stranger entered. Me, Indian runner, he said. Message. The man had ridden for thirty hours over difficult country to get the latest news through to General Wood, who, despite his isolationist tendencies— had recently been appointed to a new five-member government advisory body, the War Resources Board. Wood opened the envelope with which he was presented, scanned the radiogram it contained, and uttered a single word. War. Also a long way from the national capital was Harry Hopkins, Roosevelt's commerce secretary and confidant. Whatever Hopkins had in common with Wells and Donovan wasn't apparent at first glance— When the president's cousin, Daisy Suckley, was first introduced to the social worker turned politician, she thought him, one of the most unattractive people I've ever met, a strange, weak-looking face, thin, slouching, untidy. Yet she warmed to him, as most people did. 
Hopkins combined a fierce idealism with a wise-cracking sense of humor and ten-carat charm. He also possessed a rare ability to reduce the most formidable and abstruse problem to its essence, a gift that would later lead Winston Churchill to confer on him the mock title, Lord Root of the Matter. In that first week of September, Hopkins faced his own formidable problem, a mysterious nutritional disease that his doctors at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, feared threatened his very life. Hopkins was skeletal and bedridden, his eyesight was failing, and he had serious edema in his feet. His family was told he had only weeks to live, yet he cheerfully underwent a series of unpleasant experimental treatments in the hope of recovering, staying in touch with FDR by phone, and following events in Europe over the wireless. Having listened to the world news at all hours,